When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mailbag. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Yes, I'm either in Uganda, maybe Tanzania, on safari. I mean, not right now because I'm recording another show for you. We're trying to do a show three times a week while I'm gone. I thought we wouldn't do any, but Coke and I, you have so many, we said to ourselves, you have so many great questions. Mailbag is when you put a question in your Apple review or you get on my Twitter, David P. Sampson, or Instagram, or TikTok, or anywhere, and we're going to answer questions. This show is is pretty cool because what Coca does is he took all the questions that came in that he wanted me to answer and he split them into different themes. And I don't know if you figured out the themes. I'm I'm not sure what the theme is of this one, but I do like the questions. Hi, David. I I just want to start like right now. Big fan of the pod. Well, that's one way to get your question on the air. Hope this is something you can use on a mailbag. Yeah, I am. You've talked about how you fired an employee who wore Red Sox merchandise. I have a few questions. How do you as an employer word this in your employee handbook, assuming this is covered? Uh Uh-oh. Does home versus road versus out and about make a difference? Does the level of employee make a difference? Example, a non-paid intern who goes home and watches the Marlins on the road. I'm glad that you asked this question because some time ago, we did a segment on a regular episode, or maybe it was on a Levitard episode, Coca, actually, on one of the local hours, where I explained to Skipper, so it was Levitard, John Skipper, and to Dan Levitard that I have no problem firing people who deserve to be fired. And people got confused and upset by that, thinking, wow, this guy's robotic. This guy has no heart. This guy has no soul. You're impacting people's families. How could you enjoy doing this? And I said, I don't enjoy laying anyone off. I enjoy firing people because I've never fired someone who did not deserve to be fired. What makes you think that you can do anything you want at your job without a consequence? What world are you in that your actions don't have consequences? My actions have consequences. Anyone who has a boss, their actions have consequences. You've got a family, you've got parents, you've got kids, you've got brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, Spouses, coworkers, bosses, underlings, every action we do all day long. You know I like making lists. You know I like you to make a list. You know what I'd love for you to do? I'd love for you to go about your day one day. I always ask one day of you when I'm asking you to make lists of certain things. I wonder how many of you actually do it. When I ask you to write down maybe how many stomach aches you get during the day, how many times you do things that are uncomfortable, how often do you notice things during the course of your day that you had never noticed before, even though you're going the same way to work or the same way home every day, and you take note of something new. Notice the number of times, the, num- the, the decisions that you make every day. We had you make a list of that. 
How many decisions do you make every day? Oh, I do none. No, you make 150 decisions, and then you eat lunch. Here's the list I'd like you to make. How many actions do you take during the course of a day? An action. An action is picking up the phone and making a call. An action is responding to a text. An action is posting on social media. An action is not. Inaction is an action. Reading something, seeing something, and not responding. When you're in a restaurant, do you open the door for the person in front of you? Do not open the door for the person in front of you. When you get into a cab, do you say hello? Do you say please? Do you say thank you? All the different actions that you take. How many of those have consequences versus how many don't? I'm not asking you to rank the consequences. Some actions have consequences that are minute that you actually don't care about. Let me give you an example. If you take an action when you're thirsty, that the closest liquid is water that is not cold. The consequence is that you will not have cold water, not the end of the world. If you take an action to put ice in the water or leave the faucet on long enough for the water to get cold, then your water will be cold. The action of waiting has the consequence of the water being cold. The action of putting your clothes away after you've done laundry or had laundry done for you, the consequence is that when you are looking for something, it is where it belongs because you've put it away. The consequence of not putting something away or putting it where it belongs is that you may not be able to find it when you want it needed at a future moment. People who are messy, you take an action, an inaction of not putting stuff away, but it's an action. The consequence comes later and you dismiss it as, oh, I'm a little flighty. Ah, what do I care about the mess? It's fine. Actions, consequences. We live in a country right now where a lot of people took a lot of action. That's going to have a lot of consequence for a lot of us. My decision in 2016 was an action that had a consequence. My decision in 2020 was an action that had a consequence. Every day, I do things that have consequences. I'm okay with that. Are you? Why should you be able to do something without consequence? You work for a company, and this is the example I gave on Lebitard, and I want you to really think about it. When you work for Coca-Cola, if you were walking down the street drinking a Pepsi and you are seen by your boss or someone high up at Coca-Cola, do you think you should be fired? Or do you think that person should walk up to you and say, hey, have a great day, nice to see you. When you are in your office at Coca-Cola and you're drinking a diet Pepsi, is that more actionable? Should the consequence be firing? Should it be a fine? Should it be a warning, a fair warning? Going, going, almost gone? I've got a surprise for all of you, and that is that if you're drinking a Diet Pepsi walking down the street and you work for Coca-Cola and you're recognized by your boss, you are going to be fired without a doubt, no questions asked. And guess what's in the employee manual? A catch-all which we put in every employee manual, that is in your employee manual, that is the way to get people who we want to get when it's time for them to be got. And the phrase and the terminology is pretty simple, actually. It's that we've got the right to fire you for whatever reason we want, whenever we want to, period, hard stop, because you're an employee at will, my will. I don't need a reason, I don't need a season.
Now, if you come after me because you want severance or you think you were unlawfully terminated because of discrimination because you drink Pepsi and not Coke or because you like the Red Sox and not the Marlins, good luck. You won't get a penny, nickel, dime, or quarter. You ask me, does it matter what level an employee is at? Here's a little nugget. You think a general manager of the Marlins is going to walk around in a Red Sox shirt? It's not even a question. An unpaid intern should know the difference because during orientation, they are made aware of the dress code. They're made aware of the rules of engagement. And the rules of our engagement is when you work for the Marlins, you are a Marlins employee fan through and through. You are loyal to the Marlins no matter where you're from, no matter where you've been, and no matter where you're going. We point out to every single employee during the course of orientation, during the course of their apprenticeship, doesn't matter what level you come in at, when you become an employee, you are made aware because you walk around the office and everyone's wearing Marlins things. You don't get a job at the Marlins if you don't have that understanding. But David, that's not fair. How can you actually make people responsible for something that is not clearly spelled out? Do you know how many things are not clearly spelled out in the employee manual? You may not take a P in the middle of your desk. That is true. If you do that, you're probably going to get let go. Maybe sent over to the team psychologist, but you're going to be let go. That is not in the manual. Any conduct unbecoming. <gasps> the catch-all from a few good men. Conduct unbecoming an officer. What the hell does that mean? I'll tell you what that means because I know it when I see it. I like that. Indecency. I know it when I see it. All right, Jerry Falwell. I don't understand, Coca, why people got so upset about this. Is it so strange to you? You work at CBS right now, Coca. Here's a quick question for you. Would you walk into work wearing an NBC shirt? Just asking. Just spitballing. An NBC sports shirt? Let's say you came from NBC Sports, you work for CBS Sports. You think you wear that? Would you, would you even consider? Are you even there? Coca, can you hear me? I know that we've been recording a lot of shows because I'm going away and you don't get vacation, but I do. And you're pissed off and that's why you're probably in the bathroom. Coca-licious. Nothing. He wouldn't wear an NBC Sports show, folks. An NBC. Cut that. Four, six, nine. Coco would not wear an NBC sports shirt. I promise you. Okay. Home versus road versus out and about. No, it doesn't matter. Hi, David. Hi. Did you know the Yankees cut their third round pick, Jake Sanford, after he allegedly stole bats and gloves from teammates and tried to sell them online? He also allegedly scammed fans selling autographed equipment and never delivering. Does this happen often? I like that. Do you come here often? Do you say often or often? I always thought it sounded pompous. I don't often say often. I far more often say often. But then it sounds like I'm often you. Anyway, let me answer this question. This is good. So we have cameras in the clubhouse. Not in the bathrooms, not in the urinals, not in the food room. We have cameras right at the door so we know who goes in, who goes out. We have cameras at the hallways at every entrance of the front office. 
not in anybody's office. All the cameras are wired to the security room, which is actually in the seating bowl. And the security room has all the cameras from inside the bowl where we're seeing everything. And the reason for the cameras in the seating bowl is we want to make sure that we have our eyes on every fan and it's not hard. We could actually buy one camera per fan. I could have put that in the budget. But in some cases, you have more fans than cameras. But you're trying to keep track of sections and people and foul balls, who's getting hit in the head, who's not, who's on their phone when they get clocked by a foul ball because you know you're not giving them any money at all. Trying to see who starts a fight, who should get ejected, who shouldn't, who's got the signs, who's got the bad shirts, all the stuff we're looking at. We are watching you. We are George Orwell. I'm proud of it. We're also watching what goes on in the clubhouse because we want to make sure that if there are any known gamblers or gambling associates or ne'er-do-wellers or those of the opposite team fraternizing with our guys, we just want to know who's in, who's out. You're supposed to sign into a clubhouse, but no one follows those rules anymore. Back in my first couple of years, we actually, in the, the stadium that enforced this the most happened to be Shea Stadium, where outside the visiting clubhouse, there was a, a security guard who had a logbook. And it also was in Philly, and not in, uh, Coco, what year did Citizens Bank start? Yeah, you're not even there. Citizens Bank, it's a quick Google. Wait, the first year of Citizens Bank, I'm going to say it was 2008. Am I close that it's 14 years old? No, it's got to be way earlier than that. Maybe 2002? I'm not sure. Citizens Bank, 2-4. Okay, close. So the first few years I was at, where did they play? I think they played where the Eagles played, and I want to say it was Veterans Stadium. And then they moved to Citizens Bank. At Citizens Bank, you walked into the visiting clubhouse, and there was a desk. There was a, two sets of doors. You open the outside set of doors. You walk into a sort of lobby area, but it's not that nice. It's just sort of a space between another set of doors. And there's a security guard there who makes you sign in. And you have to show your MLB ID because when you travel with the team, your stadium ID doesn't matter, right? The fact that I'm president of the Marlins does not matter when you're in Citizens Bank Park or any other field in Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball gives you a credential. And some credentials say full access. Some are no field, just clubhouse, no clubhouse, the tunnel. There's, there's different types. And when you're the president of a team, because there's only 30 of us, you get this credential just like the GMs do and the clubbies do and the managers. So it's not that cool, but it's pretty damn cool. I used to keep all my credentials. I do not. Oh, no. I was looking at my debt. That's funny. By the way, this is live right now. I keep certain things around. If you're on YouTube, nothing personal with David Sampson. This is my credential. If you're looking, I'm showing a credential of, of an ID that I got. Why do I have this? This came from Proskauer Rose, the law firm that we hired to represent us in the 2004 arbitration against the limited partners were against us. I may have discussed that on a previous show. I know I have. And I had to spend so much time at Proskauer, New York, being prepped to be a witness because I was on the stand for like a week straight. And I was tired of going to the desk and signing in. So they gave me my own ID. And that's the closest as a lawyer I ever got to Proskauer Rose. Yeah, thank you very much, Wayne, for that. That's it. Thank you. So it's an ID like that, but it gives you access, but you still have to sign in. And the reason why you have to sign into a clubhouse is we just want to make sure that everybody who's there is someone we know. However, there have been times in my career, like four of them, when we would get a call and the way it would work is, is the clubhouse manager would call the general manager who would then call me. There's stuff missing from the clubhouse. What's missing? 
some jewelry, some equipment, some clothing. What about money? No. Phone? Had that too. All these clubhouses have lockers like you do in your hotel. They have safes. And we tell the players, put your valuables in a safe. But players are players. They don't put their stuff in a safe. They don't remember what the combination is. They just keep stuff there because they think it's supposed to be a safe space. We tell them it's a safe space. We want it to be a safe space, but sometimes it's not. So when we get the call that something's been stolen, we go to the videotape. When we see no one out of the ordinary walking into the clubhouse, and we see that we have no cameras capturing what was stolen, Guess what we do? We install a camera on the lockers and we put cheese out to find the rat. We make sure that there's times when the clubhouse is empty. We make sure that there's stuff that's being left out and we start recording. We've only caught two people stealing. Of course, I would never ever say anything, ever. One got released, one employee got fired. And I asked, why? Why would a professional athlete ever take anything? Why would a person in the front office or a field employee, whoever it was, why would they take anything? And the answer sounded like a kleptomaniac answer, although I'm not an analyst, I'm not a therapist for sure. But the answer was, I don't know. I never found that to be good enough. I was never empathetic at all. The Yankees had a situation with their third round pick. When you get caught stealing something, the hardest thing to do if it's a good player or a prospect or a valuable member of your team, the hardest thing is to get rid of that person, but you have to. You cannot afford to lose your clubhouse even if it's the best player on your team because word gets around quickly when stuff gets stolen. Everybody knew that this third round pick, Jake Sanford had taken stuff and the Yankees said there's just no way. We cannot go forward. They would call him in the office. With a player, you just say you're released. When the player says why, you say none of your business. Or if you're going to be nice, you say because we know what you did. You're lucky we didn't call the police. I didn't call the police. I wasn't going to turn in anybody who I caught stealing. I went to the people who had stuff stolen from them. They didn't want to press charges. They did not want to get the police involved. We assured them we were going to get rid of the employee and the player, etc. And that was the end of it. I have never had a player scam fans, but I've had employees who I've had to fire. How about this one? We've had to fire employees for taking tickets that we give them and reselling them at a higher value. Guess what? That's a violation. You're fired. How about getting fired employees for taking memorabilia that was given to them to give to clients as make goods? Oh, you didn't like your seat. Every, by the way, if you want something for free, just complain. Yeah, I didn't like my seat. Oh, the hot dogs were cold. Oh, I got wet or whatever the case may be. All right, here's a sign ball. Oh, I'm a sponsor of your team and I feel like I didn't get full value because there weren't enough people at my bobblehead night. Fine, here's a sign bat. Before the season starts in spring training, we'd have the players sign a bunch of stuff. Different departments would get different things. And we would use it for business. We had some employees who were using it for personal gain. They took this memorabilia, they sold it, 
made money. And we had no way to know until it got pointed out to us by, we never had an investigative team. We never had like a department of investigations, but we ended up having it pointed out to us when someone, another employee saw online that these tickets and this memorabilia was available. It turned out that this stuff had been going on for years and I didn't know. I said to Jeffrey, the owner of the team, I said, I want you to know that I'm responsible for everything. And when I tell you that I don't know something, that means I don't know, but I should have known. I took that responsibility extraordinarily seriously, as a matter of fact, because to me, I should know everything that goes on. And I know that's unrealistic. It cannot be that way. I get it. But at the same time, the buck has to stop with me. I wasn't going to resign over it, but I definitely told the owner how I was going to fix it. And I was going to fix it with immediate firings. So you're asking me, does this happen often? Yeah. And baseball has really tried to curb that because it was happening in every clubhouse. It was happening in every front office. The memorabilia was being taken. Tickets were being put on the secondary market. Technology has really helped. Now we can monitor every ticket. We can look at every ticket that is in our ballpark and we can see where it started, where it stopped, where it ended up, who ended up using it. We can keep track of all pieces of memorabilia because they're all marked with a code now, an authentication code, so we can see the origin of that piece of memorabilia. But still, people find a way. I guess the reason people do it, you know, Jake Sanford maybe spoke to the minor league advocates and said, hey, I don't make enough money. Hey, I don't have, I got to eat fast food. I don't like my housing situation. Let me make an extra buck or two. If we didn't have the antitrust exemption, and by the way, if you would just increase our pay, I wouldn't have to steal. Fair enough. Is that your story you're going to stick with? That it's okay to steal if it's in need? Forget it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hmm. Ooh, this is a topic with a question. Someone asked me a question and it starts like this. David, I would like your opinion on swimming's world governing body named FINA and their vote to restrict the participation of transgender athletes in elite women's competitions. Are you turning off the show? Coca said you would. I say you won't. I say that you're interested in this because you've got kids or you've got memories or you've got a future or a present where you are dealing with competitive sports at the high school level, at the college level, at the professional level, at the elite level, hopes, aspirations famous last words, I'm not going to get political. 
Do you think it's fair? My first experience, and this is just an example of how old I was uh, and how old I am. My first experience with transgender and what was then called the sex change was Renee Richards. Coke, I bet you a dollar you don't know that name. Renee Richards was a tennis player who went to Horace Mann, my high school, as a man and then played professional tennis as a woman. Renee Richards was her name. And that was my first introduction to transgender issues. And I remember thinking to myself as a kid, is this fair? And I was sternly told, even back then in the 70s, how absolutely fair it is and how okay it is for people to be comfortable in their own skin and to make whatever decisions they want to make. This was way before gender neutral neutral and people who were binary or all the different words today that I admit I can't keep track of and I have great respect for all of it. But that's not really my view. And I'm just asking you to think about what your view is and why. I'd like to know when you are a woman and you are swimming, do you think that an elite male swimmer can beat you? This is back to battle of the sexes. This is Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs stuff. There's a great movie with Emma Stone. I think it's called battle of the sexes actually, or just the sexes or battle or something. I think we probably reviewed it. And I think there was also a documentary about it. And maybe there wasn't a movie with Emma Stone. Maybe it was just a documentary. Welcome to my brain. But what part of that is right? When you train your whole life to be a elite track star, no matter how fast you are as a woman, you're gonna get beaten by a man. And if a man becomes a woman but is still a man and I'm talking crudely and you can be as upset with me as you want, I'm not trying to talk about the politics of transgender politics, the politics of the politics. I'm not trying to say what's right or wrong other than I want people to have rights no matter what they are and who they are. Everybody deserves rights, color, sex, gender. You don't know, you do know. I don't care what color you are. I don't care any about it. We all deserve the same rights. One of the rights that is inherent in my belief system is not the right to compete at an athletic event. I don't know where that right is. And I'm not saying that I'm a Supreme Court justice saying, I don't see it in the Constitution, therefore it's gotta be with the states, not federal. Horse hockey, that's not what I'm saying at all. So what FINA did is they got together, that's the governing body, swimming's world governing body, and they absolutely botched this. They restricted the participation of the transgender athletes in the women's competitions, and what they said is, we're gonna create a working group, and we're gonna establish an open category, a separate category for transgender athletes, and here's the rule to be in the category. You must have completed your transition by age 12. 
in order for you to actually compete in the women's division. If not, you're in the open division. And I said to myself, oh my God, here we go. It's the Casey case with abortion, where now we're not talking about the rights to have an abortion. We're talking about how many weeks you have until you are not allowed to have an abortion. We're talking about fetus and, and their viability. Now, all of a sudden, FINA is saying, hey, age 12 is the year. Are we now thinking that kids 12 years old should undergo full transitions? Do we think 12-year-olds are ready to transition in full? What does in full mean? Does that mean you cut off your penis? I don't know. So they're going to meet about it. They're going to study it. They're going to take six months and figure out this new category. And then they got in a bit of trouble and they came up with a quote, Fina did. This is not saying that people are encouraged to transition by the age of 12. It's what the scientists are saying, that if you transition after the start of puberty, you have an advantage, which is unfair. Now we're talking. We need to find a way to make it fair. This is what Fina should have said. And the way to make it fair is to ensure that there's a level playing field. The way to ensure a level playing field is we're gonna go to scientists because science works. We are not encouraging, we're not discussing, we are not commenting. It's almost as though we're not caring. But just keep in mind what we're told is that if you are a transition, if you transition to a woman after puberty, you have a level of hormones, a level of strength, that a woman cannot have being a woman from birth all the way through competition. Doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong, just makes it fact. Why can't we live in a world where I can say that and people don't attack me for being anti-transgender, which of course I'm not, and I don't think I'm gonna be attacked for it. It's quite the opposite. But somebody's gotta make rules. But when you're making rules, you got to think through it and you can't announce it until you're ready. And FINA was not ready. Six months of a working group and talking about being 12, that's not an announcement that they need to be making right now. You have to make it very clear that the announcement is a hard stop announcement. And it can be open. Pun not intended. Not an open group, but open-ended. The announcement is we are restricting the participation of transgender athletes, period. What does that mean? I'll be back to you. Not I'll be back to you in six months when we have a working group. It's back to the indecency. I'll know when I see it. You know, they've gotten criticized rightly so for what they announced people are saying that you can't even transition by age 11 which is what they're requiring who can even do that right it's not even feasible and then the epiphany came when people really examined what fina did and they said really what fina is just saying is there's no way that any transgender male who's now a female will be able to participate in elite women's swimming Maybe that blanket rule would have been the place to start. That's where I would have started. Unashamedly. Are there sports where it does not matter? Yes. Do you want me to name them? Ready? How about basketball, tennis, baseball, football, 
hockey, badminton, cricket. What about golf? Someone asked me the other day to examine my thoughts on transgender participation in golf. If a man tra- is transitions to a woman after puberty, do you hit from the woman's tees or the men's tees? Let's say for argument purposes that Tiger Woods, here's a, by the way, let's just use a regular example, Bruce Jenner. If Bruce Jenner had transitioned into Coca, help me here. I do not watch the Kardashians. Kardashians. Caitlin, I'm not sure what Bruce transitioned into. Do you think that he would have been, that she would have been able to participate in the female decathlon in the Olympics? If Bruce Jenner in 1976 had begun to transition or had identified as a woman, what is your what is your view of that? Fair or not fair? Just on the surface. I think we all know the answer to that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's got to be a whole new set of laws, a whole new set of rules, a whole new set of regulations. I don't like the one-off. Now, you could argue that we do one-off now, but the fact is we have a constitution, we have a set of laws, we have a set of principles, and then when we need clarifications, when new things come up, then we do one-offs. I get that completely. But we're starting basically a new era where there is acceptance, as there should be, of people who don't identify as either a man or a woman, people who are a man and a woman. There is everything across the spectrum. We need to examine it, figure it out, and have some way to handle it. Because when you do it one at a time, one sport at a time, one example at a time, one bathroom at a time, one business at a time, it leads to lawsuits, it leads to conflict, it leads to intolerance, it leads to hatred, it leads to abuse. The number of transgender people that get abused is sickening, and it should sicken you too. You should celebrate transgender people because they have the guts to be who they feel that they need to be, want to be, and the level of comfort they have. They go through hell just to get made fun of by you because you can't understand and appreciate or care about it or it makes you uncomfortable to be around it. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Not everybody. Hi, David. Ooh, Levitar, you're going to be upset about this one. Hi, David. Are you willing to discuss the Michelle Tafoya interview on the Levitard show and the claims she made about being ambushed? Yes, I am. I appreciate that you asked that. Go back and listen from, uh, here's where I'm going to pretend that I'm recording this now, but you know I'm not because I may be face-to-face with a gorilla or an elephant or a rhino or doing something. But a couple weeks ago, I don't remember what it was. Michelle Tafoya, who used to be a sideline reporter for the National Broadcasting Company, I believe. Was it NBC, Coca? I believe it was. She left and she said that she wanted to do her own thing where she had the ability to say what she wanted to say and attempt to effectuate change in areas that needed change. Basically, she did not want to shut up and dribble anymore. She has started a podcast. She has done writings. She is incredibly capable and her goal in leaving the sideline was not because NBC got rid of her for being political. It was that she actually didn't want to be 
constrained by the rules of corporate governance. Which, by the way, is what Lebertard wanted when he left ESPN. He left for freedom, right? The irony of leaving for freedom and then being a metal arc and saying, ooh, do I have freedom? Do you remember in Hamilton, King Richard? You'll be back. Can't you see? And I will kill your friends and family to remind me of your love, my love, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Something like that. Careful what you wish for. You wish for freedom, sometimes you get it, then what? There's really good books written about that. Ever read Animal Farm? Just out of curiosity. Is that still Coke? Have you read Animal Farm? Is that required reading in school anymore? I wonder if you're allowed. Is that one of the books that was canceled? Anyway, so Michelle Tafoya leaves and she's on the circuit. She agrees to do an interview with the Levitard show and it was an interesting interview with mostly Mike Ryan and Dan Levitard, a little bit of Roy. But there was a lot of misunderstanding because she was asked about critical race theory. She was presented with a set of facts and a set of information. She tried to rebut those facts, give a different set of facts. She tried to explain why she feels the way she feels, and she's obviously conservative. And Levitard and Mike are obviously not. And there was a level of discourse that was uncomfortable in, at moments and was quite fascinating at other moments. And the reason why it was uncomfortable is that Michelle felt as though that she was not being properly understood. When you go on the interview circuit because you've written a book or because you've done something that's newsworthy, you know very well what's going to be discussed. You don't need to get a list of questions. We had one person who we wanted to be a guest on this show, and she would not come on the show without an approved set of questions, and we said, horse hockey, see you later. And I'm not going to name her because it's not nice to because I actually like her, and I'm not convinced that she knows that that was the demand because you're better than that. If you are in this business, you are able to bridge from what is being asked to what you want to answer. You are able to take any question that's asked and answer the way you want to. You are able to communicate your views in a succinct manner. If not, get off the microphone. If not, don't go on the tour. When you go on Dan Lebitard's show, what do you think you are getting? Dribbling? Analysis of last night's game? The reason why his is the number one show in America in sports is that he is going to have intellectual discourse with you and he is not going to let you get away with just saying things. Now, people argue, well, he lets you get away with everything, Samson. No, he does not. Go ahead and listen to some of the shows that we do together. All the shows that I've done with him for 20 years, I knew exactly what I was doing. I was the one in charge of the interview, not him, even though headlines were created and he thought he was. He never had strings over me. He never had strings over Michelle. Michelle agreed to do the interview. Of course, we're going to ask. They're going to ask. Ooh, that was Freudian and not a slip and not a spoiler alert. They were going to ask as much as they could about the views of banning books or critical race theory or what's going on in the abortion debate, et cetera, et cetera. Michelle afterwards was upset. How do you get ambushed when you do something that you know 
is exactly the way that you were told it was going to go. I thought an ambush was when you are attacked. Maybe I need a definition of ambush, Coca. I thought ambush is when you're attacked in an unfair way, like when you're not ready, not paying attention. Hey, it's an ambush. But if you're ready and paying attention, can you still get ambushed? Like if you're minding your post or if you're looking out at the out the window, right? Can you get ambushed? When you have a weather forecast, here's a good one. When the forecast is 10 inches of snow, can the snowstorm be an ambush? But if it's 40 inches of snow, then you say, wow, we got ambushed. No, I don't think you do. You just say, wow, that was way more than we expected it to be. Ambushed is when the weather says 72 and sunny, and all of a sudden it snows five inches. Man, that storm, that ambushed us. That's how I'm going to go with the definition. So what bothered me about that entire situation, an ambush, Coca gives, gave it to me. Ready? A surprise attack by people lying in wait in a concealed position. Wait, are the people who are lying in wait, are they lying in a concealed position? Or are you attacking the people in the concealed position? Or are the attackers in the concealed position? I'm going to read it again. A surprise attack by people lying in wait in a concealed position. To confront suddenly and unexpectedly with unwelcome questions. Okay, this is good. It can't be an ambush. When you're on the Levitard show, you have to expect it. So there you go. And means it has to be both sudden and unexpected, not or. It could have said to confront someone suddenly or unexpectedly with unwelcome questions. This one said and. As you know, the difference between and and or. Or means either A can be true or B can be true. And then the statement's true if there's an or. If it's an and, A and B, A has to be true and B has to be true for the statement to be true. To confront someone suddenly and unexpectedly requires sudden and unexpectedness. This may have been sudden, but it didn't feel that sudden, although it may have started early in the interview. So check that one off. I guess we're okay. But unexpected? Nah, not at all. How do you avoid that going forward? If you're Levitard, you don't. And if you're Michelle, you're just more careful, I guess. Not sure how else I would put it. I was asked not to discuss this one, Coca. I think we're going to leave it in the show. What's the worst that will happen? I'm just giving people my view. It's not the end of the world, right? I think we just keep it in. I think that I have feelings about it, right? I do not believe that she was ambushed. And I'm okay saying that. And it's not that I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not just on Levitard's side. No, I'm not at Metal Arc. You know that. Obviously, we're not. Okay. I just, you can leave it in. All right. All right. Four, six, nine. We'll have another mailbag episode. I assure you of that. And maybe some other episodes. I'll be back soon. Hopefully August 2nd, maybe August 3rd. In the meantime, thank you for continuing to follow, rate, review, subscribe. Hope you're enjoying some of the posts on Twitter and Instagram. Right now. Do I have to say it? All right, ready? Swipe it. And it's just business. This is nothing personal.